All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite show. Today, we got Brendan McAdams with us. So welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks, Tyler. Good to be here. Yes, great to have you on. We, we just found out prior that uh, we grew up in similar um, places, which is pretty cool. So uh, great to have another Philly guy on. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, born in Philly, but now based in Baltimore. Uh, I'm a, I've been a kind of professional salesperson for the last 30, 40 years, 30 some years and uh, in, in telecom and then financial services and then finally in healthcare for the last, you know, 18 or so. And in the course of that, I, I kind of kept notes and uh, anecdotes and stories and so forth in a notebook and series of notebooks actually. And we're always with the idea that I might write a book. And finally, uh, last month, just last month, I, I did finally wrap it up and published the book. It's called Salescraft, um, Proven Tips, Practices, and Ideas to Advance Your Sales Success. And uh, yeah, and so, so that's um, kind of my uh, little background. Got it. Okay. So let, let's talk about the, the book first. So sure. how, tell me about the journey of, of writing the book, just because it's, it's so recent for you now. So I think it'd be cool to get your perspective like right at this moment. Oh, uh, first of all, man, I, you know, for anyone that, um, that is even thinking about doing it, it's a great experience to go through. It's, it's grueling, at least it was for me. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of effort to, to do it. Uh, but I tell you, it was really worthwhile in terms of just focusing your, your ideas and uh, having a certain discipline and then having, you know, being able to finally complete it was really satisfying for me. So I, I, I was, I spent a lot of time writing, as I said, writing down these various anecdotes and observations and little tips and tricks that I, that I kind of discovered or, or worked on as I became better at selling. And then, and then I, uh, I finally just decided it was time to kind of bear down and, and, uh, and turn it into a book. And so what I did is I, I, I kind of created in a way I would like to read about, and that is in like short chapters, one kind of fundamental tip at a time. And the idea was you could kind of pick it up at any point, read, a, read something and just reinforce a good behavior, a good practice. And so, so I, what I would do is I would get up every morning early and I'd write for an hour. And the goal was to try and get 500 to 1,000 words on a page every day and, uh, and just grind it out. And for me, I found that um, it was really important for me to kind of keep the momentum going. So it was, you know, I kind of kept track of writing every single day and and trying to kind of keep that streak alive and and if i and and if i couldn't keep the streak alive every single day the my big objective was never to miss two days in a row and yep and when you do that as you know better than i do you, you end up with a lot of material <laughs> yeah no absolutely and i think it's the momentum too that's uh, one of the things I talk about is it's very hard, I think, to get started. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, this is at least this is how it was for me when I, I wrote my first one about eight years ago. I um, it was like once I was like halfway in my mind done, I was like, well, there's no turning back now. You know, like I've already put in all this time and like thought and like just everything. Yeah. Like, there's no way I can't finish. So 
you know, one of the things that I say is just, you know, if you can just get started, just even get like 20 pages out there. If you're similar to me that just, I don't like to leave things unfinished. Yeah. It kind of like obligates you to finish it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So I found that, uh, I found that just having momentum and just doing it every single day was really important. And then there's a point in time when you find that if you keep up, keep up that kind of effort, you know, a month or two goes by and you have a significant number of pages, whether you like it or not. And, yeah. and then, then the challenge becomes, you know, cleaning it up and making it better. And um, one of the, one of the things I wrestled with a lot was, you know, as you, I'm sure you can identify with you oftentimes your own worst critic. And so you'd look at stuff and go, Oh man, I can't, oh, this is awful. This is awful. And, and you ha- kind of have to get out of that role. You have to get out of that mindset where you start to just think, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it on the paper and then I'm going to edit it and, uh, and I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to have other people read it. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to try and my best to solicit really blunt, brutal feedback. And, uh, and I was able to get some really good feedback from a, from a number of folks and which really benefited the book and um yeah so and then i looked over it over and over again and i would i would print out a copy and then read it and pencil you know and mark it all up and tear it apart and then what i found was you do that three or four or five times and pretty soon you start to find out that oh, there aren't that fewer and fewer things that really bothered me about it and so it would became yeah. you know that was my that was my methodology yeah, man. I, I love that. It's, it's perfect because that's what it is, is it's like, it's the fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever revision. Yeah. That's where it lands. Uh, it's never the first one. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And I, go ahead. I was going to say, I had really hoped that, oh, I'm going to get this all out. I'm going to print it. It's going to look great. And I'm going to, I'm going to put it in Amazon and hit the button. It's going to be done. And, and the, one of the nice features about this Amazon, uh, it has positives and negatives, but one of the nice things is, you can print a single copy of the book and then, and and then, and then it arrives in the mail and then you can look at it and go, Oh, this is fantastic. And then you open it up and you start reading, you go, Oh my God, that's awful. That's terrible. That's it. (laughs) And then you do, you know, I, I did that three different times where I print out, I was printing out copies of the book, like on a laser printer and then I cut them and glue it together. So it was, it felt like a book. I could actually, you know, I could show you like examples of, and then, and then I, and I, every iteration got better and better because I just kind of gutted it out. Yeah, no, that makes complete. Did you, did you also read it out loud at all? I, 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 I did, I did, okay. which, um, and, and I have not recorded an audio version yet, but I, I you know, I, yeah. I probably would be worth doing. Um, I also found it is, uh, but I, I kind of have a lot of experiences at writing and editing. I do a lot of that sort of stuff. So I have a relatively good eye. But what was really helpful was having good friends read it and go, yeah, I don't like this. You need more examples or what. Ha-. And, and I found that to be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely need outside perspective. And um, that was one of the things that helped me is I, at first before I gave it to other people, and then ultimately got to, you know, I hired a professional editor, uh, is like reading it out loud. So when I like finished my first draft, I read it out loud. And when you read it out loud, that's when you really catch how some of the things you wrote just sound completely off. 
Yeah. You can't really tell that. At least I couldn't unless I heard it aloud. Yeah. Um, so that's just one of the things that, that helps. So, so the book is just to be clear, the book is out now and, and published and a hundred percent done. Oh yeah. It's, it's been out, out and, uh, uh, it was, it was ranked the top new category for, uh, business etiquette, uh, for awesome. a couple of weeks, which was kind of cool, you know, be the number one. And, uh, you know, in the sales category, it's, it's hard to be number one or number 50 or because they're just some big, big luminaries in that field that just sell a bunch. And oh, I, yeah. I don't have that kind of, uh, audience, but, um, it, it, it did very well the first month. And, you know, I sold, um, you know, I don't know, 150 copies in the first month, which was pretty yeah, good no. for me. So, and, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, can you tell us um, a couple things like on the book? So I love the title sales craft. So, you know, a, a little bit about sales, like what are your best sales tips from the book? So that great question. Uh, I view uh, sales as a profession, as a, and as a craft, and that is, is that you, you, if you work at it, you get, you get better at it. Like you do a lot, of, like you do most things. And, and, uh, but it, it oftentimes comes down to fundamentals. And if you, if, if you do um, a few things, basic fundamental things, right over and over again, you're, you're going to be successful at selling. And uh, I did a talk the other day at the Baltimore Innovation Week, and and uh, and it was for founders. One of the things I found out is a lot of founders, new startup companies, small businesses, and so forth, that they, they need help with sales. And so I I kind of uh, did a talk that was kind of focused at founders. And I and I I said, listen, if you if you come away, if there are three fundamental things that you could focus on. Um, and then I touch on these in some length in the book, various points. One, the first one is to talk less and listen more. Mm -hmm. If you spend, if you know, you're as a, as a founder, as a, as a salesperson, you have this tendency to think, I know everything about the product. I, I have all the answers. And, and, and that may very well be true, but really what you want to do is you want your customer to talk. You want to understand what motivates them, what, what their issues are and get them to feel like they're, that, that make them comfortable that they are being listened to. And so if you can talk less and listen more, ask questions that get them talking, that's the first thing. The second one I would say is, and this seems like brain dead simple, but do what you say you're going to do. And in a lot of cases, uh, salespeople promise stuff and, and don't really follow up on it the way they should. Like just simple things like showing up on time or, or, getting them a proposal by a certain date when you say you're going to get something or, or, or following up on something that you had, you had promised you'd follow up on. Those are, it's simple stuff, but it, people don't do it nearly as often. And a, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of the success you have is basically just by executing on fundamental things like that. And uh, one of my favorite adages is Woody Allen says that 90% of success is showing up. And it's just, it's part of being successful is just, executing on these fundamental things. And the third tip I make, which is a little different than the first two, is that is you have to be able to qualify ruthlessly. And that is to figure out whether or not a deal is real and not feel, not fool yourself into thinking, oh, I can make this 
I can make this, this customer wants to buy. And you, you, you really have to, you have to be honest enough with yourself to know that this is a real opportunity or it's not because salespeople oftentimes find themselves wasting time on opportunities that just, they have no chance of closing. And, yeah. and that's, I talk a lot about that in the book too. Got it. Okay. Um, so let's um, bounce back. To, and obviously this is available Amazon Barnes. Is it like everywhere or just Amazon? Uh, right now it's just available on Amazon. There's two versions. Okay. I, that was one of the things that kind of, I fouled up on is I actually have two versions on Amazon. I have the, the Kindle version is separate from the, uh, the paperback version and, you know, a warning to everybody out there when you put, when you post you, once you change, once you publish something, you can't change it at all. You, I'm sure you know this, uh, Tyler, but like, like I wanted to take the middle initial out of my name. And once you publish something, which I accidentally did, you can't change it. You can't change the title. You can't change the, your name. You can't, so be very careful when you hit that button and execute and, and publish that you know what you're doing. Got, did you use KDP? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And some, you actually should just, just, so you know, you should be able to, to edit. I think it, it might depend on the ISBN. Yes. Yeah. Because if, if, if you did, um, if you got an ISBN from KDP, I think yeah. those edits aren't that difficult. But if you got it, if you got your own ISBN, yeah, uh, I, I got else. it from KDP. But the problem they say is, is that you lose all of your sales data, and it's like starting over. So oh, okay, okay. So that was one of the things I didn't want to do, which you know it was kind of a it totally was a, yeah totally no. pilot error. Um, so. Okay, so for your Expertscape, tell us a little bit more about Expertscape. Oh, great. Yeah, thanks. So uh, 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 a buddy of mine and I founded a company. Uh, and what, what we do is it's Expertscape.com. And what it does is it identifies and objectively ranks medical expertise by very specific medical topic. And the idea behind it is um, it allows someone that, uh, is searching for a second opinion, or you're a referring physician, or you've been diagnosed with a serious illness or a, a, or a condition, it allows you to search and find a, uh, an expert physician or expert on that topic. And the way we do it is we use the data in PubMed, which is the National Institute of Health's library of all biomedical publications. And my partner, uh, is a really smart doc slash computer science guy. And, uh, and he built this. Uh, I didn't, he built it. I'm the kind of, I'm the sales and marketing guy. He's the engineering guy. And, uh, and it's just, it's really cool. And we've, it's been up and running for years, but this year we decided to start really marketing it. And it's just, uh, there's just nothing else like it in the market. So it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a cross between JD Power and and a global physician directory, because yeah. we rank these experts, uh, and it's entirely objective because it's based on what they publish. Um, there are some shortcomings with that, which I can go into in that, in that, if you're interested. But but by and large, it's a really good um, resource if you like if you've got if you've got a loved one that has is diagnosed with you know. Uh, psoriasis or, you know, some, some miserable condition. You want to know, 
and you're not getting, you know, you're not getting better. You, you want to talk to somebody at like a, at a premier institution and how do you find those people? And, yeah. and that's what this does. It allows you to search and drill down and it's worldwide. So it, it covers the globe. Anyone that's ever published anything that gets into PubMed, which is the world's library for biomedical uh, publications, um, we have it. And it's, so it's, it's pretty, it's, it's really slick. That's awesome, man. So I'm curious on the business side, how are you like monetizing it? That, that's a great question. And so, so we smartly, I think for a long time, didn't try to monetize. It was just out there running and, and, and we would post all the, you know, all the results and, and then we'd tell uh, institutions about it and they would brag about their their experts on their faculty which was really cool so if you go to the website there's a press page and there are like literally hundreds of instances where you know you know mayo clinic or cleveland clinic or uh johns hopkins brags about some expert they have on faculty and they you know mention us uh you know university of cambridge and university of sydney and the whole world and and so this year, what we decided to do is we are monetizing it by doing partnerships in conjunction with academic medical centers. And, and they, they oftentimes have real world-class faculty on staff, but they don't get recognized because U.S. news rankings, if you're familiar with those, you know, the, the logos that show up everywhere uh, for, they, they are really... Uh, focused on institutions only and really the top ones in a very generic sense. And what we do is we identify, you know, if you've got multiple myeloma, um, the University of Alabama has one of the, is it Alabama or Arkansas? University of Arkansas has one of the best groups of physicians in the country for multiple myeloma, but they never get recognized by the universe, by U.S. News because they're you know, they're not Hopkins and Cleveland Clinic and Mayo and, uh, you know, and uh, Mass General. And so what we do is we allow these academic medical centers that have real, real expertise, right, uh, brag about their folks. You know, that's awesome. So, so is it more, it helps if you have more, like you're saying, like a very maybe specific um, illness or something like that because yeah instead of yeah. going to like i guess you'd like a just huge hospital which is kind of like specializing in, in everything almost yeah this is like just for this particular one thing yeah and and i guess the way to think about it is uh yeah it's exactly right and the way to think about it is um with a um you know these major medical centers have a lot of talent there's no question about that but what what doesn't often get recognized is, you know, there are, there are lots and lots of centers of excellence that aren't in the top 10 brand name institutions in the, in the country. And so like, for example, if you have, um, uh, uh, what's the, uh, uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, which is uh, a really miserable thing that women get, uh, have, and it's, and, the, the number one guy, I think this is still the case, the number one expert, uh, happens to be a, a male doctor, is at the University of Pennsylvania, Hershey, in the, you know, Hershey, PA. Yeah. He's like the number one guy in the world, right? He would never get discovered by U.S. News, 
right? Or, yeah. but, but if you're, and, and we published a, uh, a ranking one time a while ago um, on, US, uh, on, on polycystic ovary syndrome and mentioned him and it got into Facebook and it just blew up on Facebook because these women would write about their experiences and their doctors and how great they were. And this guy is just loved you know, by these women, because he, he understands their diagnosis and, you know, and gets, you know, and so, so, and that, that story repeats itself over and over and over again for us, because there are so many really talented people in the world that just don't get the kind of recognition, because they're, they're one group of folks in, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not at Hopkins, or they're not at uh, UCLA, right? Got it. Yeah, dude, that is amazing. Actually, that's um, that that's awesome. And and again, I apologize if I missed it earlier. But how did you how did you like come up with this idea? So oh uh, no, no, that's a uh, my my buddy is um uh is just a super smart guy, and uh, uh and he he had a situation. He's a doc, cardiologist, and uh. He, well, a member of his family got diagnosed um, at, with Parkinson's and he was trying to find a doc that he knew that could treat this Parkinson's situation, which was not getting better. And he was trying to do it by picking up the phone and calling people he knew. He thought, this is a really inefficient mechanism to do this. There's got to be a better way. And there wasn't anything on the web. You couldn't do it. And so he cooked up this idea, this, he figured out where do you find the best the people that know the most on it. Well, they're typically people that, that teach. They see a lot of people on that topic. They specialize and, uh, and then they publish. So they do research and they publish. And so that, that directed him to PubMed, which is this library. And then because he's got a computer science background, he was able to code this really complicated system that'll that takes all the data out of PubMed and analyzes it and then sorts it and then puts it into you know in a in a coherent uh representation that you can kind of surf through so if you go to the site you can very quickly identify the top experts in your geography right and uh you know and and the thing about medicine is um these days especially is you, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, it's an expert economy. It's becoming an expert economy. The people at the top of their game are being rewarded very well. And what we do is we identify those experts um, uh, by the very specific things that they're knowledgeable about. Because when you go to get, di- if you get a diagnosis for cancer, God forbid, but you know, you, you, don't get, you don't get cancer, you get lung cancer, or you get multiple myeloma, or you get you know, uh, you know, you have pancreatic cancer and the people that are really good at lung cancer are not the same people that are really good at pancreatic cancer. And so you really want to go to someone that's specific to your diagnosis. And so everything becomes very specialized and that's kind of where we really shine. Yes, man. Dude, this is amazing. I'm really excited. Um, so, all right. I mean, last question is, uh, you know, everybody listening, obviously health, I think in your business, if you want to write a book, you got to be healthy first. So, um, 
what is the exact website? And then if people want to connect with you personally, uh, where, what's the best social media to do that? Uh, so, so the website is expertscape.com. So expertscape. And the reason it was expertscape is my, I met my business partner when we were both at Healthion and Healthion was the company that, that Jim Clark started after Netscape. And uh, which he did with Mark Andreessen, and the, uh, so and Healthion became uh, merged with WebMD, and so Healthion became ultimately WebMD. And so we started our company and called it Expertscape, kind of as a nod to Netscape and and Healthion. So yeah, so it's Netsc it's Expertscape.com is is to find the website and to reach me. LinkedIn is best, uh, uh, Brendan McAdams, uh, or Brendan dot, or Brendan, I think it's Brendan McAdams dot, uh, at LinkedIn. And, uh, uh, and then you can email me at uh, uh, Brendan at expertscape.com if you need to reach me. And uh, uh, we love, uh, we love talking to people on this stuff. So it's, which is, so I welcome, I welcome emails. Perfect, man. Thank you again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I really, just think what you're doing, man, is, is amazing. So congrats on creating this and, and, and we appreciate you creating it. Well, thanks, Tyler. And it's a pleasure. And uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for the opportunity.